Hi there. Welcome to The Mould Show. My name is Dr. Cameron Jones and I'm an environmental microbiologist and public health scientist. Now today on this show, I'm going to be reviewing a recent paper that just came out, which is showing you how you can determine categorically that you are in fact hypersensitive to mould. Now, all of us are concerned about indoor air quality and the potential impact of mould on our health. And for many of my clients, they go to see their doctor or healthcare provider, and they're looking for some way to validate their symptoms and to connect the house or their working environment with some sort of medical information that validates their adverse health symptoms. And this is a really interesting problem. And hypersensitivity and allergy, these are the first things that you think about when you think about being exposed to something in your airspace or a bioaerosol. And so what we're going to be focusing on today is clinical mold antigen extracts and molds from water damaged homes. Well, what do I mean by this? Well, to put this into perspective, we're going to have to go through some of the top reasons why anyone would be interested in measuring mold inside their home. Because why? Why would you do it? Well, we're going to go through the key reasons here. So the top five reasons for indoor air quality and mold sampling specifically, the number one reason is health concerns. The second reason why you would undertake an indoor air quality assessment is if you have visible mold. And especially if you're a renter or a tenant, you don't need to be living in mold and damp affected uh, dwellings. And if you have a new home, for example, or even uh, if you've lived in your home for many years or decades, if you see visible mold on walls, floors, the ceilings, that is potentially going to impact on your health and amenity and quality of life. Obviously, known problems, water damage and dampness is one of the other reasons why you would consider an indoor air quality and mold inspection. And of course, if you can smell mold, well, that is a number one reason for getting your home tested. And then there is the fifth reason, which is something called proactive evaluation. And proactive evaluation, for example, could be regular monitoring for indoor air quality, for example, in a school. Certainly here in Australia with COVID-19, I'm getting a lot of calls from schools that want to undertake indoor air quality assessments to establish a baseline for their classrooms. And similarly, if you're considering the purchase of a new home, a proactive evaluation to not only look for underlying building defects using the services of a uh, building inspector, but you need to look for water damage and mould as well. And the reasons for this, the key and top uh, list of symptoms that are very strongly linked in the research literature with exposure to mould include asthma, allergic rhinitis, wheeze, cough, shortness of breath, hypersensitivity pneumonitis, headache, iron skin problems, and other health issues. Now, if we consider all of that, because all of these are really strong criteria for this, I certainly want to give you a um, 
a deep dive and a simple overview of what we're talking about when we are considering indoor air quality and how do we go about measuring this. And what I've done is I've just gone next door to my aerobiology lab and I am going to show you what a typical Petri plate with outdoor air looks like. Now, this is sampled using a biopump, and basically that takes a known volume of air so you can standardize your samples, or we can use these in settle plate mode as well. But for the purpose of this um, uh, 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 live stream, I just want to show you what outdoor air looks like. And these were uh, samples that we've collected, and that's the outdoor air, that's control. And this is one of the complaint rooms, is a bedroom. And you can see that only one colony's grown. That's a really good result for that particular property. But you can also get serious issues. And why I'm showing this to you is I just wanted to highlight the fact that it's really easy to measure your indoor air quality. And you can also use something called spore traps. And spore traps aren't looking for the viability of microorganisms, just really their presence or absence. And why I wanted to show this to you and, and show this to you now is that it's going to become very important when you consider the information that I'm going to present uh, in a few minutes now, because there has been some groundbreaking research just published last week, and they have been looking at how you go about with your doctor determining whether or not you have an allergy. And I meet so many clients who go to their healthcare practitioner for these types of allergy tests. And sometimes they get results that really don't inform the clinician. And they say, look, I know that there's something going wrong in my house. I've got all these symptoms. And yet the allergy test came back fine. I want to put this in perspective because this groundbreaking paper shows that there needs to be some serious improvements to allergy testing. And that's probably just about to happen. And so I'm going to dig into exactly what this publication has to say and how you can take advantage of some of the information right now, certainly if you are interpreting indoor air quality assessments based upon either sport trap testing or viable airspace testing. And so what this paper was looking at is something called allergic sensitization. And that's determined in vivo, that's inside your body, by a skin prick test using individual or mixes of fungal antigen extracts. Now, you can imagine there are labs worldwide that are allowed to make specific antigens to specific types of mold and then test your skin to see whether or not you have an allergic reaction because that means that that is a very clear determination that you are in fact susceptible to these types of molds. And the other type of serological test is an in vitro method and that also tests uh, uh, your uh, sera against a panel of fungal allergens. So, what does this landmark publication have to say? And again, it's going to be all in the show notes. So the links are going to be here. But this paper came out by the American Thoracic Society on November 17th. And what they were looking at is that this research uh, reviewed 
twenty-five-thousand indoor air quality samples from seven and a half thousand complaint homes, and they compared them to thirty thousand outdoor air samples. This really is groundbreaking research because it is statistically relevant, looking at that number of homes. Over a long period of time, by one of the best labs in the United States, and so they were looking at using petri plates and spore traps. And this is really important because often I'm uh, asked the question: How do we compare and contrast the different data obtained by viable testing or spore trap testing? And look, it, it's pretty easy. So labs like ours can easily do that for you. And this publication is explaining the connection between viable testing and what is called viable and non-viable testing with spore traps. Now, again, I want to move on to what this data actually says. And so. One of the problems, from the clinician's viewpoint, that is the doctors who patients and clients of mine are seeing, is that there is an absence of standardised fungal extracts, and this can result in misdiagnosis of mould-related disease, and that's an absolute disaster because no one wants there to be a misdiagnosis ever. And you wouldn't want that, especially if you've got concerns about your、uh, the safety of your home, and you get these types of tests done. It would be really good to make sure that when you go to your doctor, that the doctor is capable of doing an allergy test that is going to reveal something useful. And what this publication is saying is that the available allergy、uh, antigens aren't that good. And that they need to be improved, and this research is showing exactly what fungi are most dominant in complaint homes, not just water damaged homes, but homes which have a complaint. That means that there are people in there who are suffering, have some of those health symptoms that I showed you on the first slide. And so, what are the dominant indoor fungal species? Well, Aspergillus versicolor. Aspergillus sedawi, Aspergillus niger. I can show you petri plate and spore trap, thousands of them that we've done, where Aspergillus versicolor or Aspergillus niger appear dominant on viable culture or on microscope slides from spore traps. And if we move to Penicillium, Penicillium brevi compactum, I see so much of this particular Penicillium fungus growing. In live culture, same with Penicillium citrium. Some of these microorganisms are quite beautiful on the petri plate, but look, if you're allergic, you're not interested in whether they're pretty or not. You just know that you're not feeling well. And so, this key list that this publication is revealing is going a long way towards improving. The antigens that are planned to be available for clinicians to do better testing of your allergy response, because currently the clinical antigen extracts are only available for one of these Aspergillus species, and no antigen extracts are available for any of the Penicillium fungi. Now. That's not good news, is it? Because 
if you do go to the trouble and expense of conducting an indoor air quality assessment to firstly determine whether or not your indoor-outdoor ratio is okay or not, you want to do something with that data. And obviously, usually the main benefit of doing an indoor air quality assessment is to use that information to guide any remediation effort because remediation or removal of the mold triggering source is the best thing you can do for your home health and wellness and also to uh, reduce the likelihood of having an allergic reaction. But let's now get to the conclusions because this paper went further than just encouraging the existing uh, uh, labs that make the antigen extracts to increase the types of antigens made available to clinicians. They also had a lot to say about the uh, numbers, the raw data that is what you can expect to see when you do viable airspace testing or spore trap testing. And so they said that. What else do they know? According to the American Industrial Hygiene Association, and that's a well-established group in the United States, that based on air sampling to either petri plates or spore traps, whenever there is a significantly higher indoor versus outdoor fungal count, then the room or area should be considered unhealthy. Now, let that sink in. Whenever the indoor levels of mold are higher than the outdoor levels, you have to consider that there is a problem. And this makes it fundamentally important that all indoor air quality surveys should use at least two outdoor controls preferably from the front and the rear of the property to get some sort of statistical measure of the average and then the variance about the mean or the average. Because that's really important because if you're comparing outdoor to indoor ratio, well, that's just good plain science to collect adequate controls. But what else did they say? And this is just fantastic. So I want to emphasize this very highly that if you drill into the data and especially for the spore trap data, you will find a line in the lab report which shows the combination of aspergillus and penicillium. You should also have at least one column or sample for the outdoor controls. And when you look at that, a new minimum risk level threshold has been introduced on November 17th in this publication by the American Thoracic Society. And they state that where the combined concentration of penicillin aspergillus in the outdoor, oh, sorry, in the indoor air is more than 200 colony forming units per cubic meter higher than the outdoor air, this should be considered the new evidence-based benchmark for allergic sensitization. So look at your data in your lab reports. Look for the information for aspergillus and penicillium. Recognize that that's just to genus level, that there are specific new species that antigen extracts aren't available. So your doctor may not have been capable of doing a, a, a suitable allergy test on you. It doesn't mean if you haven't had an allergic reaction to the existing 
skin prick tests that you're not allergic. It just means that maybe the antigen wasn't as well matched to the types of mold found in complaint homes. In any case, what I want to say now is this live stream will be available um, on a uh, podcast and on iTunes. If you are uh, interested in finding out more about the services that we offer, certainly we do viable testing for mold, spore trap testing for mold, and can analyze your research reports or reports authored by other indoor air quality professionals and labs to provide expert services uh, for any matters that you are concerned about. My name's Dr. Cameron Jones. I think this publication that's just come out, you really need to uh, download it yourself. It will be available, as I said, on the links in the description. It's really important that this type of work is undertaken and published because it says a lot about confirming the link between human exposure to mould in the airspace and how you go about validating that you are in fact sensitive to it and that the symptoms that you might be experiencing are definitely linked to the environment. And while we wait for new antigens to be rolled out to the doctors throughout the world, remember that another key takeaway from this publication was saying that look at the Aspergillus penicillium levels between outdoors and indoors And for that specific band, if they show 200 colony forming units or more indoors, you probably have a problem. Have a great week. Stay safe. Bye for now. Bye.